WNYC Studios is brought to you by Zbiotics. Seize the day after a night of drinks with Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink. Zbiotics was invented by PhD scientists to break down the byproduct of alcohol, which is most responsible for making you feel crummy the next day. Drink Zbiotics before your first drink, drink responsibly, and you'll wake up refreshed and ready to take on the day. Try it for yourself at zbiotics.com/wnyc and get 15% off your first order when you use WNYC at checkout. That's zbiotics.com/wnyc and use the code WNYC at checkout for 15% off. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, Lulu here. Whether we are romping through science, music, politics, technology, or feelings, we seek to leave you seeing the world anew. Radiolab adventures right on the edge of what we think we know, wherever you get podcasts. This is All of It. I'm Allison Stewart, live from the WNYC studios in Soho. Thank you for spending part of your day with us, whether you're listening on the radio, live streaming, or on demand. I'm grateful you're here. On today's show, we'll take a look at the new streaming series adaptation of the novel, Daisy Jones and the Six, with the executive producer and showrunner, as well as the team who put together the music for the show, so important to the show, and we'll play some tracks. And another great novel was made into a stirring movie. We'll hear from screenwriter and director Sarah Polly and actor Jesse Buckley about Women Talking, which is up for Best Picture at the Oscars. And in our Big Picture series, highlighting those who work behind the camera, our guest will be Oscar nominee composer Hauschka, who will join us to discuss his work on All Quiet on the Western Front. That is the plan for today. So let's get this started with the play, Public Obscenities. A new bilingual play demonstrates both the beauty and limitations of language. The play, written in English and in Bengali, is titled Public Incendies. The title is a reference to the Indian penal code, which is cited in the play. The story follows Chowton, a Bengali-American PhD student, and his boyfriend, Rahim, a black American cinematographer, as they stay at Chowton's late grandfather's house in Kolkata, India. They are working on a documentary about the queer dating scene there and are looking for local interview subjects by reaching out on the gay dating app Grindr. But there are communication issues. Chowton doesn't know any queer slang and Rahim doesn't speak Bengali. Throughout the show, we're introduced to a cast of characters as multiple stories begin to unfold, including Shao, who is Koti and played by trans activist Tashuna Anan, who agrees to tell Chowton all about growing up queer in Kolkata, Chowton's aunt, I think it's Pishmoni, yes, Pishmoni and her husband Pichet, who is addicted to playing online pool, and Chitesh, who takes care of the family in-house. Public Obscenities is running now at Soho Rep and has just been extended through April 9th. Writer and director Shayok Misha Chowdhury joins me now. Misha, first of all, congratulations on the extension. That's huge. Thank you so much. And welcome to the show all the way from India. Correct? That's right. Yeah. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and you're headed back to New York right after this interview. Is that right? I am. Yeah. I leave in about five hours for the airport. So thanks for the timing. Yeah. It and safe, safe travels to you. Thank so you. I gave a lot of information at that intro, but the show is about a lot more. Um, in your own words, what is Public Obscenities about? Public Obscenities is about... Um, 
the experience of, I mean, it's about so many different things. It's in many ways a semi, it's a semi-autobiographical play. I would certainly mm -hmm. call it that. Um, it's about language and translation and searching for, uh, feeling a sense of kind of native belonging in a place when you are always between places. Um, I think I was someone who grew up um, between Bengal and the United States and the experience of retaining a kind of fluency in my mother tongue um, was a kind of passport for me between both places. Mm -hmm. But it was always uh, there was always sort of work that was required to sort of prove that fluency. Um, so that's something that I'm exploring in the play for sure. Um, and it's about the porosity between sort of like private spaces and public spaces. Right now I'm calling in from my house in Kolkata, which in many ways is the inspiration for the play. And I've had to send my cousin and her son and uh, their, uh, the, the woman who helps them out here in the house to the upstairs flat so that I could do this interview mm -hmm. because there's so little uh, privacy in these homes. And so that's something that is a big part of the play as well. How did you know what the play was going to be about? When did you know you wanted to write about these subjects? Yeah, I mean, I started actually, um, the inspiration for the play was um, a dream that my uncle told me that shows up verbatim in the play um, about midway through the piece. And I knew that I wanted to, it was a dream that he told me and he said, in, and in his dream, he was watching a, uh, a movie in a movie theater and he wanted me to go make the movie. Um, and... Wow. Instead of making that movie, because I don't make movies, I make plays, um, I decided to write a play about that experience of receiving that dream from him and who gets to be an artist and his feeling uh, that he needed to sort of um, hand that source material off to me because I'm an artist. I live in New York. He lives in this house here in Calcutta. And I knew I wanted to explore that source material, but then it really was a kind of sort of wandering process of writing um, as I was writing these characters into being, it was one of those sort of like semi-cliched experiences that you hear writers talk about where it's like, it felt like there was one story that these characters couldn't but live. And I was just sort of like excavating it scene by scene. The plot really sort of emerged out of the environment and the character. It wasn't a sort of plot first writing experience for me. And as you mentioned, it was semi-autobiographical. So there's that yeah. dream. That idea of that dream is in the play, correct? Yes. Yeah. That play, is, the, the dream is the real sort of like uh, verbatim source material that is like uh, that I that I wanted to retain intact, even though it's a fictional story. Um, but, you know, even though the dream is autobiographical, the way that it shows up in the play is completely different than the way that it showed up in my life. In the play, it's a dream that is gifted to um, Rahim, who is the protagonist's boyfriend. Um, and it's an experience of sort of um, this, you know, uh, this uncle character sharing this sort of intimate part of himself with a person that he feels a kind of affinity to words, but he's just met two days ago and he's he's, he's sharing this dream in English, which is in his mother tongue. Um, and the play is in so many ways about those kinds of like slippages between uh, like what what does what's able to be shared in the sort of spaces between fluencies. Mm -hmm. um, it isn't always the people who speak the most 
uh, fluently with one another that sort of speak most truly to each other in the play. We're discussing the play Public Obscenities, which is running at Soho Rep until April 9th. It's just been extended. My guest is Misha Chowdhury, the writer and director. So the title, Public Obscenities, as I mentioned, references an Indian penal code. Um, How do public obscenities under this penal code relate to the story? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, The title of the play actually comes from a, a poem that I wrote when I was back here on a Fulbright um, back in 2009, 2010. And that, at that time, I was sort of coming into my own sort of queer adult relationship to the city. Calcutta was always a place I returned to with my family. Um, and it was a place that I didn't have that kind of public relationship to. And so I would go and spend a lot of time um, by this lake that is near my family's home, which at the time was... Uh, a very popular queer cruising spot. Um, And, you know, there is this uh, law on the books that says that um, it's a a sort of vestige of the British penal code that is now codified in Indian law um, that says that any sort of public, uh, that any obscene act or obscene word uttered in public that offends the... uh, uh, sensibilities of those people in the public space um, can be sort of prosecuted under that law. Um, And of course, that sort of translates into many different kinds of uh, behaviors over the course of like there, you know, there are there are cases um, in which sort of people have been prosecuted under that law for distributing um, AIDS awareness materials Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, just queer folks by virtue of the way that they present, um, that in and of itself can be uh, construed as obscene under that law. Um, But then the title for me ends up being about so many different kinds of, you know, in my in my family and in the culture that I grew up in, what are the different kinds of uh, behaviors, thought practices, Mm -hmm. what kinds of things uh, remain behind closed doors um, and have a sort of like Uh, halo of obscenity or sort of unspeakability around them. And those are the questions that animate the play for me, for sure. This is a bilingual production in both Bengla and English, which means some characters speak exclusively in Bengla. We're going to play a little clip in a second so people can, can get a flavor of it. But why was that important to you in this production? Yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to write um, in many ways, it's a play I've been wanting to write my whole life, and I was terrified to do so because I was like, how would we ever cast it? Who would come and see it in the U.S.? Um, but the reason that the languages sort of operate the way they do in the play is because it's as the play is very naturalistic, mm-hmm. and I was kind of adamant about writing the play precisely the way that it would unfold in the languages that it would unfold in. Um, And uh, the choices that I make around sort of accessibility in the language are more about when I choose to supertitle the Bangla for the English speaking audience and when I don't. But the, the way that the spoken language unfolds is quite literally like, you know, they're speaking in Bangla and English because the American boyfriend is present and they're translating for him in the room when he's there. But when there isn't an English speaker in the room, 
the language is Bangla, the scene is in Bangla. Mm -hmm. And so it really is just about sort of like tapping into that, um, the authenticity of, the, of what sort of calls for those code switches in real time in this environment. So let's play a little clip so people can hear also how yeah. it, it's, it's just organically woven into the story. Um, the play opens uh, in a bangla with a dinner scene between Chowton and his non-Bangla-speaking boyfriend, Rahim, who we've mentioned, and his aunt. Um, let's, first of all, what's the dynamic does, does Chowton have with his family before we play this clip so people understand? Uh, well, Chotona sort of operates as a kind of translator that is uh, sort of constantly uh, being this bridge person between he he's working very hard to prove his his fluency, both in English in American English and in Bangla. And he's constantly sort of being that uh, sort of nimble translator, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this clip is of Chotin and Rahim speaking with Chotin's grandmother, who's losing her memory due to yeah. old age and dementia. And this is the second time Rahim meets her, and she calls him pretty. Let's listen. Yes. Rahim, She says you're shundur. What's that? She thinks you're pretty. Handsome. 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 <laughs> handsome. Do you want to borrow handsome, Chino? So what does Rahim learn about his boyfriend through observing the family? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think, and I would be really interested to ask the actor who's playing Rahim mm-hmm. what his experience of that is. And I think that the play is in so many ways about on a sort of magnified level, what it's like to return home with one's partner. I think whenever we return home to uh, a place that sort of brings out a kind of childness mm-hmm. in uh, in a partner, uh, we see a version of them that is radically different from the, ver- from the version that we've made a home with ourselves. But I think that in this play, it's exacerbated by the fact that that home uh, is sort of brings out this entire other language self in Choton that Rahim has never really had access to. And so, you know, there's a part, there's a line in the second scene of the play when the two of them are alone for the first time under a mosquito net. Um, There's a quiet moment that they're able to share with each other outside of the hustle and bustle of the sort of uh, family dynamic. And Rahim talks about the fact that he's like, do you wish I spoke Bangla? Mm -hmm. Um, I've never seen this. You have this whole other world that I've never had access to. And I think it brings out certain insecurities in Rahim around his ability to sort of connect with Choton um, if he doesn't speak that language that feels so important to Choton. But I think the the play for me in in many ways is about uh, Choton registering that Rahim is a kind of uh, is home for him um, in the most sort of like solid way, even though he wants so desperately to be at home in Kolkata. Um, there's always a kind of distance between him and that place that um, that presents itself over the course of the play. And I don't know if I answered the question. Yeah, but I love that description because I think that's that's universal. 
Yeah. I think it's really universal for people who have gone home with partners or even friends and seen that friend or partner in their environment where they grew up and where they had roots, but maybe they don't feel as comfortable in that, that pot. They've outgrown the pot. <laughs> totally. You know, to use the plant analogy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it reminded me a lot of I was watching Junebug, the film, uh, which, you know, is also, you know, it's just like about, it's just even somebody taking someone home to their Southern family here in the U.S. has a completely different cultural valence that um, shows up in that film and was an inspiration for the play for me as well. Anyways, go ahead. My guest is Misa Chaudhry. We're talking about public obscenities, this play, which is running at Soho Rep now through April 9th. So you are the writer and the director of the play. Uh, so... As director, what did that writer do that was that made your job challenging? Oh, man. I mean, everything. It's, a, <laughs> it's not a short play. I mean, I was really sort of adamant with myself about separating the two roles, um, especially during the writing process. I was, you know, I'm, my training is as a director, and um, I usually try to write things that, I'm already envisioning in three dimensions to put up on stage, but I was pretty adamant about sort of writing the play as a writer first without trying to write a thing that uh, was sort of easily translated into uh, live theater. Um, but I like, you know, there's a live crow in the play um, and I was very angry with my writer's self for having written that obstacle into the play for a while i was trying to figure out if we could get a live pro into the production um but you know it is those kinds of limitations that the writer that the that or sort of challenges that the writing presents that the director has to sort of solve in creative ways and it was a very strange experience of having that sort of conversation internally inside of myself, uh, posing <laughs> those challenges to myself and then trying to solve them in real time. Through Chowton's research in Kolkata, we're introduced to a character named Shu, a local 20-something. Tell us a little bit about the character of Shu. Yeah, I mean, um, this character, show, and that's a sort of like, uh, it's a short uh, shortened version of a more common boy's name in Bengali, Shobhik, um, but, Cho, but Cho has self-styled as Sho as part of their sort of gender exploration. Mm -hmm. um, and I do think for me, like, it was really important to write, um, even for Bangla-speaking audiences, both here in, the, in, in India and in Bangladesh and in the U.S., I think a character like Sho might be quite um, unfamiliar to... Uh, a normative Bangla speaking public um, because there is still a great deal of separation. But despite the fact that there is such a long history of um, uh, differently gendered and uh, queer sort of like uh, lives and ways of living here in Bengal, um, the sort of uh, culture at large I don't think has access to that other language that Sho speaks, um, that Choton is sort of romanticizing mm. in strange ways and is trying to sort of like approach as a kind of internal anthropologist. But Sho is just uh, so um, excited about having the opportunity to um, share themselves with Choton in the context of uh, his effort to make this documentary. And I think that 
that is the third language of the play for me in many ways is this other sort of queer Bangla uh, life and language that show sort of um, that show represents in the play that I wanted to be really diligent about being authentic toward in the play. And would you introduce our audience to the person cast as show? Yes, um, Tashnuva Anan, um, who is an incredible actor. Um, and I was so excited to cast them as show uh, because they are a kind of uh, wonder in their own right. Um, Tashnuva was the first um, transgender news anchor in Bangladesh and has only recently uh, moved to the U.S. So it was a real gift mm -hmm. to me. Um, that she was here in New York um, and willing and able to participate in the play. Um, and she really is just like uh, such has been such a light in the um, in the production process. And I've learned a great deal about the character from working with her um, because her lived experience is much closer to shows than my own. Um, and so I feel like I was able to sort of uh, deepen the character through the work that we were doing together in the rehearsal room. My guest is Misha Chowdhury. We are talking about his play, Public Obscenities, running at Soho Rep until April 9th. So in the photographs and photography is important to the story. The family finds yeah. an undeveloped roll of film and an old camera with photographs the family has never seen before. And the, the audience doesn't see them either, but they're described. What went into that decision? Well... That was the sort of that pro the process of writing that um, that thread of the play was the most challenging for me because it was the most it was, you know, I knew early on that this my grandfather's old really my own grandfather's old really cord camera was this other primary source material in the writing of the play for me. Um, but I had no idea that I wanted to write a play about developing discovering this role of undeveloped film. It was simply that the sort of like, camera showed up and then I was like, well, we have to open the camera. So we opened the camera and then, well, there's got to be something inside mm -hmm. what's on the film. Um, and, you know, it was important to me that this grandfather figure that sort of looms large in the family's imagination of itself um, was revealed to have a kind of other self and internal life that the audience doesn't fully gain access to in the play um, but we do see through the other characters as experiences of uh, encountering these photographs that sort of are a kind of time capsule back to 30 years ago before the grandfather passed away that they witness this you know for the aunt it's her father um, and she's never seen this side of him um, the uncle talks about you know, he knew him, him for 23 years, but he's never seen him, that expression on his mm. face. Um, and that for me, you know, like I, I I played around for a very long time with whether there was this big, great dramatic reveal that the photographs um, were going to sort of, uh, it, whether they were serving that role in the plot of the play. But personally, for me, my experience with that kind of revelation has always been just the the subtlest sort of like, uh, you know, seeing my grandfather at the age of 15 completely reorients my understanding of myself and who he was. And so, yeah, it's that kind of a revelation. I have to say, I, I didn't see the play, but I read it. 
<laughs> it's amazing that you kept all the storylines straight. <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm so glad you read it on the page. It was really, it was very interesting to read it, I have to say. For people who want to see the play, it is at Soho Rep until April 9th. I've been speaking with its writer and director, Misha Chowdhury. Misha, safe travels back to New York. Thank you so much for having me. WNYC Studios is brought to you by Zbiotics. Seize the day after a night of drinks with Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink. Zbiotics was invented by PhD scientists to break down the byproduct of alcohol, which is most responsible for making you feel crummy the next day. Drink Zbiotics before your first drink, drink responsibly, and you'll wake up refreshed and ready to take on the day. Try it for yourself at zbiotics.com/wnyc and get 15% off your first order when you use WNYC at checkout. That's zbiotics.com/wnyc and use the code WNYC at checkout for 15% off.